Hi everyone, and welcome to the 117th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here alone again. But this time, it's a special episode because happy 15th anniversary, Kingdom Hearts! Yay! You know, the, the, the most... The most enjoyable yays are ones you can do by yourself. So so this week, it was just a little bit difficult to get Chiro and Tabby on, so uh, I figured, you know what, I'm going to do something special for this episode anyway, because it's just me, so we have a, a very interesting segment lined up for you. It's actually something I've never done before uh, on Kingdom Hearts or otherwise, or on Kingdom Hearts Union or otherwise, so I hope you enjoyed it. I already, I already recorded it, and I put a long time in it. I hope you like it. <laughs> So anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. As far as the show goes today, we have three segments. Our first segment is the news segment. The second segment is the... uh, special segment that I alluded to before. It is the King... Uh, I'm sorry about the title. It's, it's really long. I don't like long titles, but this one has to be long. Sorry. It is the Kingdom Hearts 15th Anniversary Special colon Development Retrospective of Kingdom Hearts 1. So uh, basically, I'm going to do a uh, deep dive uh, explanation retrospective of the making of Kingdom Hearts 1. What, what happened? How did this crazy mix of Disney and Final Fantasy get started? We're going to talk about that. I know for many of you, you probably know the general outline of the story, but this it's all laid out. It's it's very different for me because, uh, by the way, this is a scripted thing. I never do anything scripted. As you can tell from this intro, it's crazy. I'm always crazy on the show. I never script anything. This is scripted. Uh, I just want to make a comment about scripted things. If you are a person who are is a content creator or if you're even more so an editor that works with scripted content, my goodness gracious, I feel for you because... This was hard for me to record. The, the The thing ended up being like 12 minutes approximately, but it took like three hours to to get it like sounding okay. I, I think if I had like maybe six hours, I, I wouldn't like, maybe it would have sounded super professional, but this is my first time. This is experimental. So uh, uh, partially this is a celebration of the Kingdom Hearts 15th anniversary and other partially is please listen to it and g- give me feedback on what you think about uh, recorded Brandon versus uh, uh, crazy off the cuff Brandon. So we'll see how that goes. See if uh, we want to do that in the future. I can just say personally uh, ha- having having go- gone through the nightmare of creating it, <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that again. But I hope you enjoy it uh, either way. I think it's I think it's entertaining. The writing, I think, is... I did okay on the writing. The recording, I'll, I'll let you be the judge. So please listen for, out for that. All right, and finally, third segment, we have a question segment. All right, so in the way of announcements, as always, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Just pledge a dollar and get access to a special podcast called Please Be Excited. And our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. We have Barry Norton, who is at Nortron Zero on Twitter. Christian Burge, 
Louis James, Satria Jaja Zudharma, who is at Satria six two five Ruben, Skylar Loveless, Tiger Crane, who is at Pow Poo Milkshake, Tyson Wildman, who is at Ty Wildman one, Ventus, who is at Legend of Gallade. We have William Trengrove, who is at Varnish the Azure, Chris Morales, Diglio, who is at Chuba Arcanine, Dustiv Haviv, who is at DustyFish770, we have Eric Decker, who is at Choco Taco, Harley Crawley, who is at DarkZT Okami, Jonathan Gonzalez, who is at Oh It's Just Johnny, Josh McNabb, who is at J2K9, uh, Michael Graham, Thorn Bullen, who is at Massacre23. Zach Duranto, who is at ZDuranto58. Alex Troutman, who is at Akira Namjin. Billy Jackson, who is at underscore Billy Jackson. Darren Matthews, who is at Doomster73. Jason Rivera, who is at Neo Arcadiac. Joseph Robertson, who is at Pokemon Trainer J. Uh, Julio Carrillo, who is at Dead Demon225. Keith Field, who is at The Mighty Keith, Mario Herker, Mike Shirley Donnelly, who is at Curious Quail, Mohamed Kayam, Nico Gonzalez, who is at Nick underscore Knack 95, Rachel Casterton, who is at Orba Yun Ray, Tony Stemmen, who is at Tony Stemmen, Vita Nitas, who is at V underscore Tron 5000, and Zelda Clone, who is at Apes Type Novels. Be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. So if you guys have a particular thing that you guys want us to talk talk about, please send it in the form of a question to khuquestions at gmail.com so we can talk about what you guys want to talk about. That's how we stay relevant for you. Uh, and next, our first segment, the news segment. So in the way of news, uh, just a, a few a few interesting items. First one is that Kingdom Hearts 1.5, 2.5 releases in North America at the time of the podcast release, assuming this released on time. Th- more specifically, that's March 28th in North America. I believe uh, March 31st is when it will release in the UK, so keep an eye out for that. Um, there will be a day one patch to address some issues that have been found in uh, pre-release copies of the game, uh, particularly related to stuttering. These are issues that were not found in the Japanese version, so this particular day one patch is stated to uh, bring the uh, North American version up to the standards of the Japanese version. However, apparently the Japanese version still has outstanding issues, so those are not necessarily going to be resolved. In fact, they... they straight up won't be resolved because this patch literally just brings it up to the standard of the current Japanese build. And that means, uh, I guess, subpar in some areas in the sense that there are still some outstanding bugs. Now, why is it why is it that the North American version has bugs that uh, the Japanese version doesn't have? Um, you got to imagine that in, in the development process of the, this game, you know, you're dealing with effectively two different deliverables. So uh, I, I guess they were just focusing so hard on the Japanese version. They were considering... And, and another important point is that when you're whenever you're dealing with old games, things are weird. <laughs> things are weird, especially with things that you think should be solved when it's old. 
you, you, you can never assume anything. So with modern games, of course you have one build of the game. And of course that one build of the game just has options for languages and it's just as easy as flipping a switch and you're in your Japanese version and you flip the switch. Oh, now it's the American version. Like, of course in modern games it's like that, but you can't assume that with old games just because old development styles, old development practices, they don't think about future-proofing their their code base. So things like this where, you know, the American version and the Japanese version have different issues, that's, that's just part and parcel to old development practices and not thinking about the future. And anytime, you know, for whatever reason, anytime you're moving one game to a different platform, uh, problems you never knew with your development style just pop up because you didn't think you'd ever need to so think about, you know, X, Y, Z, but when you moved it to this new platform, oops, uh, this development practice that worked just fine on PS2, it doesn't work so hot on PS3 slash PS4, you know, things like that happen. So it's just, it's just the, the reality of working with old code bases and crying at how, uh, you you used to be really dumb about coding. You know, it's kind of like if you've ever tried to like read your old essays that you wrote in like middle school, and and you weep at how stupid you used to be. It's kind of like that. You know, you learn things. The industry learns things about better code practices. So I'm sure that you know a a, a major part of the porting process for Square Enix. Anytime they port anything is like face palm sessions so like oh my god why did i why did we do this why why did whoever worked on this last do this why did they do it this way why is it so much harder you know it's constantly that because you, you have to go back examine old code old code and move it forward to a current platform and that's it's just it's a pain so i, I can definitely understand why that happened uh now to comment on whether i think they will continue to polish the game further and fix the outstanding bugs that I was referring to before. Uh, I don't think they will because of their current track record of not, not doing that. I think they currently have the bandwidth for, for these types of releases. They have the bandwidth to support it at release time when it's going to affect their sales. Long term, I don't know if they if they care enough, or at least uh, not not that they care not that they care or not care enough. It's more that I don't know if there is a financial reason enough to coerce them into caring enough, because at the end of the day, it's a, they're a business and working on bug fixes. That's you know that affects the bottom line because that's time programmers are spending on these old games that they just re-released for for money for a cash grab quick quick cash grab relatively speaking compared to a new game they're putting developers on this project when they should really be working on the project that's really going to make them money which is kingdom hearts 3 so you know it's a it's a balancing act so we'll have to see i'm i'm very doubtful that they'll push it much further than uh what you will see on day one because i mean for one it, it they, you know, there's no monetary reason that they should, or at least other than, you know, goodwill for the consumer that they could potentially lose. But uh, on top of that, their track record 
says as such. They 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 still haven't patched in bug. They still haven't fixed the PS3 releases of the games. So you know we'll see. So I, I'm hoping they will. We'll see if they do. Uh, moving on, Kingdom Hearts Union Cross has been released in Japan. Uh, just to review, uh, it features uh, new missions. It's got a multiplayer mode and many other new things. Uh, just a quick interesting note: there's a new version of Dearly Beloved that was released in it. So if you like, if you love those uh, Kingdom Hearts tunes and you want to hear a, another new version of Dearly Beloved, definitely check it out. I've, I've seen it on YouTube. Uh, another interesting thing about it is that uh, the title screen of this game is a lot more in line with uh, what you typically expect from t- Kingdom Hearts title screens. You know, it has a very a very uh, familiar look, you know, very reminiscent of like the Kingdom Hearts 2 menu. Uh, I, th- I find it interesting because the, uh, the Unchained Key menu is just kind of its own thing, it, which is fine. It wasn't bad. It was just, you know, it was its own thing. But this one, it definitely feels more like, okay, this is a Kingdom Hearts title crawl. This is Kingdom Hearts title menu. Uh, you know, the the whole way it's set up and presented and animates, it looks just like a Kingdom Hearts menu. So, you know, it, it feels nice. You know, it feels nostalgic. So uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you can check it out on YouTube. Just look for Kingdom Hearts Union Cross Dearly Beloved, and you'll probably see a video of it. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and, uh, another interesting, uh, note, uh, for those of you who keep track of, uh, all these, uh, events, uh, D23 Japan has been set for February 10th through the 12th, 2018. Now there's something interesting about this and it's that, so typically D23, the way it works is it's a, uh, by, by yearly. So not, not twice a year, but every two years. So every other year, there's D23. The first first one in Japan was in 2015. So it was 2015, uh, or or 20. The first one, no, the first one was 2013. Sorry, first one was 2013. Second one was 2015. You would assume the next one would have been 2017, but it's been pushed. Uh, let's see, October, November, November, December, January. Uh, oh, it's been pushed four months. <laughs> Good old quick math. So it's been pushed four months, uh, approximately. Uh, no reason given. I mean, maybe they just... I mean, there, there could be so many reasons. But uh, just some... I, I, I talked to Churro about this, and I wanted to see if he thought this was a big deal or not, the fact that it was moved. And he personally says it's not. I would agree that it's not. But I would also say it was moved for not trivial reasons. The, the reasons it was moved was most likely for non-trivial reasons, and I'll tell you why. Now, let me just say, these may not affect us as Kingdom Hearts fans, so I just want to preface that first. But the reason I believe this conference was moved four months was not for not was not for non-trivial was not for trivial reasons. <laughs> Gotta watch out for those double negatives, kids. English. The reason I think it was moved for not trivial reasons is because uh, the D23 event in Japan is held at a Disney-owned venue. So the like number one trivial reason you could imagine for these kinds of events is that you know the event got bumped by a better, bigger event. You know, a diff- you know a movie star decided to come by and do a signing or or maybe a movie premiere or 
you know, you, you name it, like concerts, I don't know, uh, can opener, expo, like something bigger than D23 came along and just took took the spot. And the, the venue was like, whoa, we're going to make so much money if we put this can opener festival right, right where D23 is supposed to be. Uh, that is not the case because the venue is owned by Disney. It's actually held on Disney property. So... Uh, yeah, that's not the case. So, uh, Disney moved this event of its own volition, which in my opinion means that something large that they were going to show most likely was not ready or something moved in its schedule and they're not ready to show it in, in, uh, like October, November ish when they normally show it. So, they need to move it to February so they're ready to show it. Does that mean that was Kingdom Hearts? I highly doubt that was Kingdom Hearts at all. Kingdom Hearts is n- as nice as it is that Kingdom Hearts has been at all the Japanese D23 so far. As nice as that as that is, uh, frankly, it's not that important at the event. It's not the most important thing to Disney at the event. Uh, and, and usually it's showing is pretty light, pretty tame, usually behind... So far, it's just been behind-the-scenes stuff, just behind-the-scenes footage, so I wouldn't consider that uh, the kind of stuff that would move a major conference for months. But uh, I think it's not trivial to the Kingdom Hearts team if they do intend to show stuff at D23, because what that means is they've got four extra months to prepare whatever it is they were intending to prepare to show. So, you know, it's kind of like if your teacher uh, says, uh, hey, class, uh, the, uh, the essay is it's moved. Uh, we're we're going to move that forward about two weeks. So you got two more weeks to work on it. You do, you do a good job. It's, it's one of those. Anytime you, you move a deadline, it's always good. That's always a good thing. That's always a good thing for the people working on it, at least. And at least for us, that means that whatever they're going to show, if they're going to show anything, it'll just be nicer than what it would have been. So it'll be four months nicer. That's, that's the best way to see it. Now, before, before I I end off this new segment and we move on to the, the special segment, I just want to be very explicit and be very clear. Square Enix has not made any comment about their involvement with this event at all. Regardless of it moving or not, they have not stated they were going to D23 in Japan. They have not stated it at all. I'm just saying, going on track record, there's been two. They were at both. So they might be at the third. So that's why I wanted to let you all know about it. So anyway, that is the news segment. Moving on to the special segment. The Kingdom Hearts 15th Anniversary Special a development retrospective of Kingdom Hearts 1. So uh, just as a preface, uh, as I said before, uh, this is a uh, scripted thing. I wrote this, uh, you know, it's kind of like a written editorial, but I wanted to read it out. I kind of like this sort of thing. I've been watching a lot of videos on YouTube that have adopted this sort of style of, of, of exposition and explaining so I wanted to try something new because it's something we we don't do on Kingdom Hearts Union. We just always speak off the cuff 
and we just we just roll with the punches. So I wanted to try something scripted. Uh, this is divided into ten. I would call them chapters. I don't know if that works so well in audio form. I feel like sometimes in this that it would probably have been better as a video. But uh, as 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 time permits in my life as a uh, teacher in Japan who has no time. <laughs> I don't have time to make a video. I'm sorry. And also, as a uh, Japanese teacher, uh, I'm not a Japanese teacher. I am a English teacher who lives in Japan. Let me just be clear. <laughs> Off the cuff, guys. So, as an English teacher who lives in Japan who has absolutely no time, uh, I don't have time to make a video of this. I also uh, don't have time to upload this because uh, I have terrible. I live in the Inaka internet. Inaka means countryside. If you didn't know. So I live in the countryside. I don't live in Tokyo, uh, and I don't get lovely Tokyo internet. The one that you hear about every time uh, someone on CNN complains about American internet being terrible, and they say, oh my god, look at J Japan's internet. It's like a gigabit per second. Yes, it is in the city. In the city. In the Inaka, where I live. It's like crappy ADSL. Before recording this, I just want to let you know I did a speed test. I've got like one megabit per second down. I haven't had one megabit per second down since 2004. Knock on wood. Man, come on. Come on, Hikari Fiber. Please come soon. I want that gigabit internet. They've been they've been teasing us. They've been teasing us since like October. It was supposed to come November 1st. I had a, I had a flyer. I tweeted that flyer. The internet knows. The internet knows, Tokumo. It knows your lies. Anyway... <laughs> Moving on, uh, yeah, so this is the Kingdom Hearts 15th Anniversary Special, a development retrospective on Kingdom Hearts 1. I hope you enjoy it. It's uh, a different style of things. L let me know what you think. Uh, tweet at KHUnion or me at underscore Brandon underscore on Twitter. Anyway, please enjoy. Number 1. It all started in an elevator. Walt Disney famously said that when it came to Disney, everything started with a mouse. But when it came to Kingdom Hearts, you could say that everything started with an elevator pitch. In the late 1990s, Squaresoft and Disney's Japan offices were located in the same office building in Tokyo. Executives from both companies just so happened to be on the elevator one day and jokingly said they should collaborate. Not long after that, Disney approached Square to officially move forward with this idea. Number 2. Nomura Joins the Battle Sometime during the tail end of Final Fantasy VIII's production cycle, Tetsuya Nomura overheard Hironobu Sakaguchi and Shinji Hashimoto talking about the possibility of a collaboration with Disney. In the past, Nomura pitched the idea of a more action-oriented game after being inspired by the full 3D worlds of Super Mario 64. Unfortunately, due to the flood of 3D platformers at the time, Nomura was told that the only way that type of game would be successful in the current market is if he had access to a super popular IP like Disney. So when he heard that Disney was actually interested in working with Square, Tetsuya Nomura barged into this fateful conversation and said that whatever it was, he wanted in. From this point on, Tetsuya Nomura was chosen to be the director of the Disney collaboration project. Number 3. Clashing with Disney 
During the initial conversations with Disney executives, Disney seemed to have some very specific ideas of what they wanted for this project. We don't know exactly what they were looking for, but we do know that initially, Disney wanted Donald Duck to be the protagonist, whereas Square obviously wanted Mickey. Disney wasn't a fan of entrusting their most iconic character to a company they've really never worked with before. After that, Tetsuya Nomura shared his vision, which included a chainsaw-wielding lion boy, which was an original character. In Nomura's eyes, he wanted to make something that wasn't purely a game for children. Disney outright rejected the idea of a character wielding a chainsaw, but thanks to then-CEO Bob Iger, they allowed Square to pursue their experimental game idea, but with several strict conditions. Number 4. The Terms So to continue with this project, Disney set some ground rules. The first one? Disney characters must be represented faithfully and must not be changed or shown doing anything out of character. This rule was later bent when developing a world based on Nightmare Before Christmas. In this world, Disney approved original designs for Donald and Goofy wearing some appropriate costumes to help them fit in with the more dark environment. The second rule? Characters may only use weapons they were shown to use in their respective source materials, or in the case of Donald and Goofy, a stick or a shield. The idea of Donald using a stick for a weapon was actually developed further to be a magic wand that Donald could use to either cast magic spells or to use as a mallet when whacking enemies when he was out of magic. And finally, Mickey can only appear in one scene in the game. It's the reason that Mickey only appears at the end of the game. If you only have one shot, you gotta make it count. With these ground rules set, Squaresoft was tasked with the development of the game while Disney would act as more of an advisor ensuring the title met their standards and that their intellectual property was well represented. Number 5. You never know who you'll run into next. With the terms set, it was clear that using Disney characters alone would be too restrictive to propel the main plot of the game. Tetsuya Nomura set out to design several original characters for Kingdom Hearts. The main character Sora was a young boy that evoked both Final Fantasy and Disney in his design. Nomura also redesigned several familiar faces from the Final Fantasy series who would have cameo appearances in the game. The Final Fantasy characters would serve a different purpose however. Unlike the Disney characters, the Final Fantasy characters were used to push the plot along by offering guidance to the main cast. On a more practical level, they would also boost the appeal of the game among older gamers, who were already familiar with the Final Fantasy series, which at the time was 15 years old. Number 6. Preparing for the Long Road Ahead Capturing the magic of Disney is no small feat. Doing it in 3D is insanity. And then doing it in real time on the PlayStation 2? That seemed impossible, especially in 2002, when the technical constraints of the console really hampered character animation in all games. Squaresoft staff needed guidance, and Disney was ready to provide them with the support they needed to get the project going. Square's animation team had meetings that were effectively a crash course in how Disney films were made. 
and the Disney animators would periodically give Square's animators advice on how to capture the Disney look. In preparation for the project, Tatsuya Kondo, animation director on the Kingdom Hearts team, even spent six months watching Disney films just to analyze them and break them down and figure out the animation principles that made Disney animation look the way it looked. Number 7. Nomura's Dream Game Kingdom Hearts was to be a big departure for many of the staff working on the game, as most of them have a background in making Final Fantasy games. The idea of making Kingdom Hearts an action RPG came from Nomura's fascination with Super Mario 64, which provided players with a fully 3D world to explore, and his interest in adapting traditional turn-based RPG systems into a real-time system. An interesting example of this is how experience points are awarded to the player. In a traditional RPG, they are only awarded at the end of a battle, but in Kingdom Hearts, the player is rewarded with experience as the battle progresses. This happens when individual enemies are defeated or when special, skillful parries are performed. Not only are experience points allotted in real time, but players can also level up during battle, giving them an extra edge they wouldn't find in a turn-based RPG. Number 8. Scoring the Dream Disney is known for its memorable musical scores, so one would think that if Square went through all the trouble of licensing hundreds of Disney characters, they would just as quickly fill their soundtrack out with licensed songs from Disney as well. This wasn't what Tetsuya Nomura envisioned though. Instead, he would call on the talents of Yoko Shimomura, a composer he'd worked with before on Parasite Eve. It was Yoko Shimomura's desire to compose songs that naturally fit with the styles of the films, and to only very rarely rely on licensed tracks from the original movies. Little did she know, these songs would later be played by orchestras around the world and bring fans to tears time and time again. Lastly, rounding out the soundtrack was the theme song. Neither Square nor Disney were strangers at bringing in famous pop stars to sing their title themes for their projects, and Kingdom Hearts wouldn't be any different. Tetsuya Nomura called on Yutara Hikaru, who at the time was a very talented Japanese pop star who was wildly famous for her many hits on the Japanese pop charts. Conveniently, Utada was also bilingual, making the localization process even easier when it was time to make an English version of the song for Kingdom Hearts. In Japan, the song was called Hikari, which means light, but in America, we got simple and clean. Number 9. Telling the Tale In the beginning, the main plot was simple. The main character Sora was separated from his friends, Riku and Kairi. He would then go on an adventure to find them. Along the way, Sora meets Donald and Goofy, who are looking for their king Mickey. The trio would then travel the stars looking for their lost companions. Along the way, they would discover that the princesses of many Disney worlds were being snatched up for a dark purpose. In the game's climax, Sora would defeat Maleficent, the villain of Sleeping Beauty, and he would then be reunited with his friends. Donald and Goofy would be reunited with their king and the Disney princesses would be rescued by their respective Disney princes. Everyone lives happily ever after, at least until Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi was reviewing the still-in-development game. Sakaguchi didn't pull any punches, and he told Amora that if he wanted Kingdom Hearts to be a hit, he was going to have to bring in a more complex, deep story, just like Final Fantasy. 
Because working with Disney characters was so restrictive, Nomura decided to develop an original villain beyond Maleficent, Ansem. It's the reason you only see him at the very beginning and ending of the game. And with that, Nomura reworked the game to have a more complex, deep story, an original villain, and a climactic ending, which was co-written by Kazuhige Nojima, who had just finished working on Final Fantasy X. If you ever wondered why the final world of Kingdom Hearts felt like a Final Fantasy game, that's why. Number 10. Can you say franchise? The first Kingdom Hearts game, for all intents and purposes, was and can still be treated as a standalone game. No prior knowledge is required to enjoy it, and it has a fairly definitive, albeit open, ending. That said, the Kingdom Hearts series was destined for greater things. Even back in 2002, Tetsuya Nomura had aspirations for the future of the series. In Kingdom Hearts 1, Nomura tipped his hand slightly to show what he had envisioned for the future of the series. If players were determined enough, they could painstakingly unlock a secret video which shows what Nomura had in mind for the future of the series. The new direction was darker, more action-y, and even more like the Hollywood movies that were popular in the day, such as Star Wars and The Matrix. It was clear that Tetsuya Nomura wasn't out of ideas, and he had big plans for making this a series with legs. And thanks to critical and financial success, Kingdom Hearts became a franchise spawning 11 unique titles and counting. The Kingdom Hearts series has become one of Square's most successful franchises and has been a staple in their lineup ever since 2002. Here's hoping for a bright future for the next numbered title in the series, Kingdom Hearts 3, and whatever the future may bring beyond that. Happy 15th anniversary, Kingdom Hearts. Alright, and that concludes our development retrospective. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it was very uh, time-consuming to make, but I did enjoy uh, I did enjoy listening to it after it was done. <laughs> it's one of those things where uh, uh, it was very difficult to do, but I enjoyed ha I, I enjoy having done it. <laughs> did I enjoy doing it? That is the real question. But I did I do enjoy having done it there. That that much I can say for sure. Always look for the positive guys. Anyway, moving on to the question segment. Our question today comes from Vivian D, and Vivian asks, Since Nomura said there wouldn't be Halloween Town or Pride Lands, do you think Kingdom Hearts 3 will have any world-specific transformations for Sora, Donald, and Goofy? Oh, how topical, considering I discussed this very thing in the retrospective. I wonder if I chose this question for that reason. Uh, good question, Vivian D. Uh, I think... I think they will. Um, so, in terms, in terms of a yes or no question, I think yes. I think they will. In terms of where, what worlds will they be? I can't really think of any. Or I, I don't know for sure any of them off the top of my head. But I'm, I'm pretty positive there will be some, if only for the fact that it's kind of a tradition, and also. Uh, if you just go off of the fact that uh, e even in um, 0.2, Aqua has the ability to change her costume up a bit. And, you know, you got to assume that maybe Sora will also retain some of that ability too, or, or some of those features too. So maybe he'll also be able to change his costumes or his costume up a bit. Um, 
I'm not sure how that's going to work with a transforming character, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, if I had to pick a movie that I'd want for this to happen in, I'd want it for a Toy Story world, and I want Sora, Donald, and Goofy to be toys, because I think that is the cutest thing ever. Like, how cool would it be if they had, like, straight-up, like, play arts-style characters? Oh, well, I guess the, I mean, I guess the player characters kind of look like them already. Okay, maybe not play arts. Maybe, like, just cuter toy, cuter action figure versions of them. I just want to see them because I think that'd be, like, really cute. And I don't know. I, I also selfishly want a Toy Story world. Um, I guess Big Hero, Big Hero 6 would be pretty good. Like, getting getting Sora into, like, a uh, like a superhero costume. But they, they already showed that concept art of him wearing his normal costume. So maybe that's not going to happen. It's, not, it's also not that necessary. The art style of, like, a lot of the modern Disney... A lot of the modern Disney movies' art style is very... I mean, it's, it, it sounds kind of harsh to say, but it's very formulaic. Like you know th there's nothing particularly uh unique about the way these movies are rendered they all have this sort of stylized realism look to them you know that goes for tangled that goes for frozen that goes for big hero 6 that goes even to some extent wreck it ralph like all these movies they have a similar rendering style so there's no particular need for them to like change and None of them really require. None of them star characters that aren't humanoid bipeds, you know, like people shaped with two legs. That's that's what that means. So, uh, you know, they're all they're all human characters. It's not like uh, Lion King was where they had to make like a, a quadruped animation. You know, they had to make a lion Sora. So that's. Uh, uh, there's nothing no, no movies really necessitating that unless they decide to go for a cars world or a finding nemo world oh man could you imagine people were people were furious over atlantica could you imagine playing a finding nemo world let's not go there <laughs> let's not go there uh, but yeah other than that it seems like most of the most of the worlds either have humans in them or the main characters are vaguely human shaped and walk on two legs so it in the in that case whatever it is it would be purely cosmetic so if i had to pick a movie in which i think the cosmetic would really benefit it or i'm just really curious to see what it would look like uh that's that'd be toy story hands down because i just want to see toy versions of all the main cast but not not toy versions like play arts where the players are trying to look like how they look in in the game i just want it to be like kind of stylized like i want them to look like cheap action figures that's what i want and i think i just think that'd be so cool so uh l let me know what you guys think tweet us at khu you know what what what's what uh what disney movies would you want to be included in kingdom hearts 3 and what would uh, what transformation would you like to see of them? Uh, uh, and actually, just now, I'm reminded of... Uh, I know we bring it up every time we talk about these costumes, but uh, if you guys remember the Kingdom Hearts 1 manga, uh, I forget which volume it was of that manga, but there was an artwork of Sora wearing like a turban and a cape f for Aladdin, and 
like that that costume just looks so cool he looks so amazing in that so yeah if if they could if they decide to bring back aladdin which i know they won't they will not bring back aladdin aladdin's been in all the games almost so uh that's not gonna happen but if they did i'd want that even though there's no reason for them to do it they've set no precedent of doing that but i just think it looks cool like if honestly if it was up to me i'd i'd say have a costume for every world like they're supposed to be kind of blending in like shouldn't they wear costumes they don't look like any of the people in those in those worlds so i think in all worlds they should wear costumes uh let me go let me know what you guys think about the whole costume situation now here here's an idea so with this whole costume customization thing what if we also started adding in like costume pieces that were sort of themed on on the disney worlds that you go to so like agrabah you could have like a turban slash cape combo like what if you could collect and maybe this was like a collectible thing from each world some costume piece that looked that that was themed after the world what how do you guys feel about that as a sort of like in between it's not a required thing it's just an optional thing that you can get if you want for i guess role play purposes um i i guess you wouldn't i guess if you collect them from those worlds you wouldn't be able to use them in the world unless it's like for new game plus so i I don't know it's just an idea i came up off the top of my head so let me know what you guys think of like costume pieces that are themed based on the world uh you know any any individual world so like for example in uh big hero 6 maybe you get a helmet like hero wears a helmet uh in that style you know, I, I'm not thinking like full costumes. I'm just thinking like costume parts to sort of like fit the role a little bit. Maybe, or, or maybe there's also like a chest plate. I don't know. Uh, I'm just thinking like Big Hero 6 stuff. So let me know what you guys think about that idea. And uh, yeah, thank you, Vivian D, for asking the question. I'd be uh, interested to know what you think and what, what worlds you'd like to see. So, anyway, for the music for this episode, we have a very special. Uh, piano uh, arrangement of dearly beloved this is dearly beloved 2016 by kyle landry it's been a while since we had kyle kyle's music on the show he is so amazing on piano he actually just recently had a uh i think his first concert in new york i think it's his first concert piano concert so uh send kyle some love he's a he's a really great guy i've made album art for him in the past so you know we've got We've got a a decent relationship, I think. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, uh, please be excited for that because it's really awesome. Uh, The next Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 11th of April. And as always, you guys can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or Kingdom Hearts Ultimania's Twitter, which is at KHUltimania. And remember, if you guys like the show and you want to help us to get better, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. And if you want your questions answered on the show, please send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, let me know what you think about... Uh, let me know what you think about the uh, scripted portion. 
of the episode. Let me know what you think about costume pieces. Let me know what you think about worlds that you want to see uh, costumes for in Kingdom Hearts 3. Those are your three, three action items. It's your Kingdom Hearts Union homework. Can't you tell I'm a teacher now? I'm just, I'm assigning homework now. Oh, it's great. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, uh, please, please uh, support us on Patreon if, if you are so inclined. It really does help us improve the show. And uh, yeah, thank you for everything. Uh, oh, and uh, I guess, <laughs> should, I, should I give life updates? I've been playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I got a Switch Pro controller. It's really awesome. Uh, if, if, you, if you're playing on Switch, Breath of the Wild, get that Pro controller. It's a good idea. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.
Thank you.